You're listening to the Breakfasters podcast for the week, Monday the 27th of March to Friday the 31st of March. This week we spoke to Judith Lucy and Denise Scott about their comedy festival show, Disappointment, and we talked about all the times when kids blurt out uncomfortable truths. So many uncomfortable truths. So uncomfortable. Uh, Dr. Jen was away this week for Weird Science, so in her place we decided to scientifically look at the ages which you can do things until, if that makes any sense whatsoever, you'll have to listen to it to find out. <laughs> and we also chatted to Aaron Peterson and Alec Dumaji uh, about their new film, Zach's Ceremony. You're listening to Breakfasters here on Triple R with Jeff Geraldine and Sarah. Comedy icons, Judith Lucy <laughs> and Denise Scott, have a show coming up at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. It's called Disappointments. It's no disappointment to have them both in the studio. Welcome to Breakfasters. Oh, nicely done, yeah. Jeff. Smooth. I thought I was on Smooth FM. It was so smooth. I thought you were Richard Wilkins. It was so smooth. Uh, that's all I've got. It's, <laughs> it's a delight to be here. Uh, long-term listener. First time in the studio. I never listened, but, you know, really happy to be here. No, i never awake. Of course, that's my excuse. Uh, thank you for being a show that's, uh, that only has one lot of comedians on today. Is it just us? It's yeah. just you. You're our only guest for today. Oh, see, that's we had to clear, We cleared all of the schedule. Yeah. <laughs> we take up a lot of space, <laughs> mentally, physically, spiritually. Uh, are you guys... Sorry, I'll... Oh, jump, jump in. Thank you. Uh, are you guys excited about working together? Not no. anymore. Not at all. <laughs> uh, in fact, Maybe we're initially. so early. Yeah. We've been on the road, though, for a whole two weeks, three mm. weeks, mm. and really... Judith does my head in. No, oh. we're very excited. Well, we, we are, but we were just saying off air, like, there's actually no conversation we haven't had. And it's like we're at the point now where if we think something, we'll just say it. Like, we have to tell the other person everything. I'm going to the bathroom. I'm, I'm going to do we specifically. Yes, specifically. Uh, I remember you were so excited in between the two shows in Perth because you went, oh, hang on a minute. Did I tell you that story about the guy <laughs> who I met at the uh, the traffic yeah. lights who I asked? for directions and I went no no you haven't and then I went oh yes you did so there's uh, no look it's great working with each other we just need to come up with more topics of conversation mm-hmm. but is it nice having someone else on stage with you oh my god yes yeah, I mean ab- absolute relief that's sorry, what Scotty, it is. I was and I'm say. sorry, Geraldine, who's about to go out on stage yeah, by herself I was tonight. Say, so yeah. the horror that you're currently yeah. feeling, well, at least we, we were able to split that in two. Yeah. Whereas you're just totally on your own, yeah. isolated, in a pit of despair. And to be honest, <laughs> to be honest, I really ride Judith's coattails. Is that oh, it? Oh, that's no, just it's it's simply not, it, not true. No, you don't understand, Judith. Psychologically... I just sit back and think, Judith's great. <laughs> she can handle all the... Like, if it goes to shit a bit, Judith can work it out on stage. She's terrific at improvising and she remembers everything. I actually have oh. bouts of... Yeah, I guess if I was on my own, I wouldn't forget things. But now that I've got Judith, she's like the little young person that can do all that. I'm, I'm, I'm 50 in a minute. But, um, yeah, but she's but the much different, younger. The ridiculous so, thing is I feel the same way about you. So, oh. in essence, neither of us care about what's happening because we're assuming the other person will step up. And neither of us do. Hence the title of the show. 
Because it is. It's just a disappointment. Yeah, you really, you're really selling this. We, we do, don't we? We really... No, look, it's... All right, no, I was trying to just... Go into let's, let's, Yeah, let's sell uh, this, baby. Look, we, sell do, we, do, we do talk about our disappointments, but we ultimately... We do, but... Oh, gosh, it's a it's celebration. It is. It's a bloody it's a, celebration. It's evangelical. People walk out on a high. They it, certainly walk out going, thank God I'm not Denise Scott and Judith Lucy. They're thrilled about that. Uh, there's it, singing, there's dancing, there's animation, there's a set, there animation. are three costume changes. I three mean, costume mate. changes. Out. Come on. Mate. Yeah, yeah, it's all going on. That's all. just time filler. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. That's, that's true, true too. but there that's, are, you know, there's showbiz ways of filling time, Geraldine, yeah. and, and that's where showbiz. We are. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Uh, there's a lot of tears, and there's no end to the sentence. There's simply, see, I <laughs> hoped if I kept speaking, something funny would come out of my mouth, and it just didn't. That's okay. See, I thought you'd step in then, but you just didn't. See, I don't even know where I am. No, is it a dream? <laughs> Who are you? It's very early. Hey, you've both um, uh, legends, let's say. Yeah, oh. the show. yeah, yeah. You're Love big, that word. Yeah. It's, could you give us like one highlight of your career? Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know where it's going, Judith. I think I do. Take oh, it away. Oh, no. Can I? Please. 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 Oh, we've milked this. But <laughs> yes, um, Geraldine Sarah, Jeff. Um, so I won the Barry. Now, a lot of people don't know what the Barry is. Um, I'll tell you, uh, the Barry is the prize for best show in comedy festival. And... Um, Mm. I won it, and um, and Judith hasn't even been nominated. No, no I've I've never been nominated. But look, I like to say that I feel okay about that because mm-hmm. I feel that it's just going to happen closer to the end of my career as it has for Scotty. <laughs> so, which was pretty true. There was an element of oh, let's give it to her and shut her up and, her, and send her on her way. I was the oldest person to ever win it, which is. Fantastic. Oh, oh yeah. don't start oh, saying fantastic now, Judith. Judith's so resentful. It's true. <laughs> I, it's, it's true. I have a doll, a tiny doll of Denise that I just stick <laughs> pins in when she's not around and curse her. Your highlight, Judith? I don't have one. Yes, you do. Do I? Must. Oh. Could it be this? It <laughs> might be this. But Sarah, I'm going to be frank if it is. I'm really in trouble. <laughs> You know, I mean, I'm I'm having a lovely time, but Christ, 29 years, this is it? This is this is the highlight? I mean, you know. We've been talking to a bunch of comedians and I feel like people have kind of a love-hate relationship with these shows coming up. They're excited about it, but they're also kind of nervous. Do you guys still get nervous? Terrified. Really, really bad. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Did you just say that Worse. because it makes us feel better? No, no. no. Worse than ever. And, in fact, in Adelaide... Um, because I've, oh, it's fascinating. Here I go with the arthritis, Judith, if you'll excuse me. This will be about an hour. Uh, but no, so I've, I have uh, acute arthritis. So one leg, wasn't it, Judith? It was swollen up like a tree trunk. Her knee looked like a melon. Yeah. It was kind of like if we painted a face on it, we would have been a trio. <laughs> <laughs> It is a little purple, though. Anyway, so, but the day we got to Adelaide, because we had to do tech run and and do 
was it two? No, no it wasn't just two one shows. Show. Anyway, and um, and my uh, there wasn't a room at the inn for me, so I was in a hotel foyer with We've an ice pack. It's got very biblical all of a sudden. because <laughs> <laughs> she was about to give birth. <laughs> <laughs> but I was in a hotel foyer with an ice pack, and my leg was going. Anyway. Long story short, ended up in the room, in the hotel room, with 30 minutes to get my makeup on, get back to the tent where we were performing in Adelaide, do the show. And I thought, but I have to weep. I have to weep with anxiety, pain and just general depression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought, all right, you've got 30 minutes, you've got 10 minutes to weep, go. And I went... <laughs> <laughs> And I literally went for 10 minutes because I thought you've only got 10 and then 20 for your makeup. <laughs> get cracking. Power, and, power weeping. And Judith, yeah, coined it, uh, yeah, having a power weep. So we got oh. into power weeping like, all right, five minutes off you go into the toilet. <laughs> I freely admit I did my weeping that morning before I got on the plane to Adelaide. So I did a little bit of Melbourne weeping. Well, I... I you were saying you've been doing some crying. I, yeah. I, I, crying, it just, it, it just, it's part and parcel of it. I, I like the idea of a, a power weight. Oh, I think mm, it's yeah. tremendous and it's sort of got a corporate sound. Well, Frank Sinatra oh, used to power nap. So, yes. yeah, just give you, get your timer out. Go, I've got eight minutes. Let's weep it up. Certainly give that a go. I'd really (laughs) recommend it because it's quite cathartic because you feel like you've really got to make it count. Is it like a power nap if you go over 20 minutes, it's too long and it'll ruin you? Yeah, you'll start to get anxious again. You'll lose the cathartic (laughs) value because you'll be like, oh, God, I'm running out of time. And you'll need another weep. So you've got to be strict with I yourself. I think we should maybe write a book about this. This oh. is our idea of motivational speaking. I could see a TED Talk. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, the TED Talk. <laughs> Do you ever weep, Jeff? Are you a weeper? I'm stoic and stony-faced. <laughs> he weeps occasionally. <laughs> yes. 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 Okay. I'm weeping on the inside. I also like that we're using the word weep. As well, like that's very biblical in itself, rather than a cry. Weeping is much weep. more dramatic. It's a bit weeping. silent, mm. and it's sort of got more of a Dante's uh, <laughs> inferno feel to it. That we're in a kind of ring of hell. I think that's what <laughs> ring of hell. Welcome to the comedy <laughs> Well, Sarah, do you weep? I weep a lot, and I weep more now. I work with Geraldine because we you, we do set you each often other off. Talk about crying mm. yeah. together. It's lovely. And we. we <laughs> Cry together. Together. Sometimes. Yeah, we have had to cry together, yeah. Yeah. When Jess cries, I'll give her a hug and then I weep and we just shudder together. It's lovely. And is it a competitive thing? Oh. Do you want more attention? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to bung on a few more tears because I'm sick of Geraldine getting all the attention. All about me. (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) This show is called Disappointments. It's on. At the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, we've been talking to Judith, Lucy, and Denise Scott. Thank you so Thanks much for having you us. Oh, if we haven't sold hundreds of tickets from that <laughs> chat, I don't know what's going on. You're listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from Three Triple R. Not long ago, about half an hour ago, we were chatting to Denise Scott and Judith Lucy about uh, achieving things late in life. Denise Scott winning the Barry Award later in her comedy career, Uh, which brings me hope because uh, at the age I am, I just had my birthday recently. I realise there's a lot that I haven't wanted to achieve, that I've wanted to achieve that I haven't yet. 
also what may bring me hope slash terror is um, this article that I found on the site, uh, you know, I effing love science. Yes. And that ties in nicely with our science, weird science. Oh, yeah, because this would usually be weird science. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Uh, Dr. Jen is away. If you were tuning in for her, we're very sorry. Got us instead. (laughs) This is going to be some very unscientific science. So there is a piece up on IFL um, science that is... A graph of the age you peak at everything, according to science. This is the worst graph okay, in the world. so I'm 37. Mm-hmm. Yes. No. Let's just go for your 30s. Yeah. Mid 30s. Okay. Oh. So what am I about to peak? So you are, hang on, what have you missed? Oh, you might discover, uh, you might have a Nobel Prize winning discovery. Oh. Because the average age for that is 40. Right. There you go. So you've still got a couple of years to discover And that's just the average, something. so... Yeah, like could you've be got a, years after. Chuck a few years yeah. on that. Yeah, well, I've missed that boat, haven't I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can remember this very, very distinctly. There's that moment when um, you realise you're never going to play cricket for Australia. Oh, yes. I had that when you I know, was... You suddenly realise that you look at all the athletes and think, gosh, they all look kind of young, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, there and is that. And then you realise that Jimi Hendrix was only 27 when he died. Yes, yeah. all of that. Same with Kurt Cobain, yeah. Moment, like during the, the footy season with the women playing football, and I, there's a tinge of, oh, I'm never, I'm never going to be able to play. You know, it, you know why, though, as well? Because a lot of them had already achieved such great things. So many of them were Olympic hammer throwers or yeah, something. They yeah. had all these achievements, and now they're just chucking on a bit of an AFLW career as yeah. well at the end of it. And you think, what have I done? I've done walk around the block in the last week. <laughs> Karl Marx wrote the Communist Manifesto when he was 30. Did he? Mm-hmm. Where's your communist manifesto? <laughs> it's coming along. It's coming along. <laughs> you'll peak. You, here's, here's, so here you'll peak at playing chess at 31. Isn't that interesting? Maybe it says something about your brain capacity. Because yeah. yeah, I think you have to train really hard to play chess, don't they? They do like eight hours of ch- chess training a day. Really? Yeah. It's really intense. Wow. What, to become No, like to, a to just main it. It's like a sport. You have to just keep training constantly to be Really? That's yep. fascinating. Do you play chess? Not at all. I'm terrible at it. Okay. Oh. I'm too late for you anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how much more of this segment is it going to be? So you were talking last week about remembering faces, how we all have trouble remembering faces because Dr. Jen did a face blindness mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. test, which you can have a look at on her blog. You peak at remembering faces at 32. And after that, you just don't care. Then you, just, then you just don't care. Then you lose all your friends. What have we got to look forward to? So here's what you've got to look forward to, okay? Uh, Arithmetic. Arithmetic, how do I say arithmetic? that word? Arithmetic, that's what I'm trying to say. Arithmetic skills, not speaking skills, peak at 50. Oh. So, yeah. you got, thought that was gone early. Yeah, totally. Well, things like language and stuff are really early. But um, What if you were never good at arithmetic? Does it come back? Well, I can't that. answer that on this graph. Just Sorry, yes, stop asking me questions. <laughs> uh, 51, understanding people's emotions. So there's hope for you yet, Sparrow. Really? Yes. At 50? At 51. There you go. What else? Keep going, keep going. Okay, okay, okay. So life satisfaction peaks at 69. Oh. Huh. So then after that, who cares? I wonder what is about 69. I would not have thought that at all. But I think about, you think how tumultuous, like, your teens are. So maybe you just spend the first, most of your life going, oh, oh, it's all too much. And then at 69, you go, oh, I've got this. I think it's, yeah, 69, it's a sweet combo of, oh, whatever. Might retire. Yeah. And then also, you know, just... You're a bit more at peace with yourself, maybe? Yeah, you'd be more content. Despite what you may think, vocabulary peaks at 71. 
What does? Vocabulary. Oh. I, I can't say the word, which might be a little bit <laughs> ironic. A few years yeah. to go. Got another 30, 40 years. Uh, here's one that's kind of depressing. Happiness with your body, 74. Right. So how is that? Is that just maybe Because I reckon at 74 you've just gone, who cares? Maybe that's what where you get kind of like... Your you contentment from is that kind of letting just it all go? Happy that you've still got a you've body. still got a body, yeah. And do you want to know it, it, when when you get peak psychological well being? Eighty two. What does that even mean? I don't know. I don't. Do I, I can't. Peak, so, hmm. Oh well, that's good news. Yeah. Well, but no, it's just no a graph. anxiety. At yeah. Eighty two. Yeah. I guess okay, that's, that's I get right. old that's all, now. Yeah, what have you got to worry about at 82? Your body's in great shape. Yeah. You've got its great vocabulary and your arithmetic's really good. You're playing chess. <laughs> you might yeah. remembering the Nobel Peace Prize that you won at 50 years of age. I'd be stressed. Oh, you wouldn't have, might not have to stress about making it to the toilet. That's what I'd stress about. Hey, you wear a nappy. Yeah. Oh, my God, this is what I was... <laughs> When's Dr. Jen coming back? <laughs> You're listening to the best bits of The Breakfasters from 3 R. Uh, I've just been reading some um, things about uh, brutally honest things that kids have said to adults. Kids can be so brutal. So cruel. (laughs) Here are a couple of my favourites that I've found so far. Um, There was one person that uh, was... Uh, the, their four-year-old nephew was setting the table for dinner and they turned to this person and they said, you get the big fork because you're the fattest. <laughs> and then they <laughs> set that table with a barbecue fork. <laughs> well, that might come in handy. <laughs> oh, no. Or there was one... Um, this is a, a... She doesn't remember doing this, but there's an American... Um, where they were listening to the radio. It was about the time of uh, the Spice Girls Mm -hmm. and they were having a discussion about what would the American Spice Girl be. Oh, yes. And some bright spark suggested the the fat, ugly Spice Girl. Oh. Yeah, fat, ugly Spice, yeah. Oh, that's just a bit mean. (laughs) Yeah, isn't it? But then... (laughs) And this one says, I have no recollection of this... But my mum tells me that I got so excited, started freaking out, saying something all the time. Mum, oh my god, you could be a Spice Girl. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, kids are so mean. Have kids ever been brutally honest to you? Um, Hey, this might be a fun one for listeners to call up and tell us their stories. Nine three double eight one zero two seven. I remember when I used to work in disability. One of the parents bringing their their kid in and um saying oh about how much she liked coming into the service that we we're offering and how glad she was to be there and she said and her should say no i don't i don't come here at all <laughs> stop lying <laughs> oh, no, fair call. <laughs> oh, i've got a lot of you know kids will point out the things about your body and just blurt them out so yeah. um <laughs> my best mate's little sister when she was quite young i remember seeing her and eating dinner with their family and uh, I was wearing maybe like a singlet or something you could see through a little bit, but I remember her reaching out and grabbing my stomach and going, why are you the fat one, Sarah? (laughs) (laughs) 
And the worst thing is everyone else's reaction. So I yeah. just kind of laugh, but then the parents are trying to compensate because maybe I'm a little bit fatter than their daughter by going, oh, she she says that to everyone. Oh, <laughs> she thinks everyone's fat. And you're like, it's okay. Yeah. I'm okay with this. And we used to babysit the kid next door when I was younger and he... um. I remember he got to that age where he obviously just had maybe like sex ed classes or something at mm-hmm. school and he him walking up to me and just the, like coming over to me and he's walking up and going, you've got boobs. Oh, and in yes. front of his father and me just going, I don't I don't know how to respond to that. I just went, yes, I do. <laughs> and then just had breasts. this little awkward said that your, your breasts might be and the right please word. do not touch them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I mentioned, I might have already mentioned this before, but um, a couple of weeks ago I was down um, the coast and my nieces were there and I'd previously done some work on the house. Oh, you know, no, so I I'd done know. some work on, on the steps. If you have, I've forgotten. So yeah. repeat yeah, it. And um, Sal was explaining, um, I guess um, we were walking past it and, and she was saying, yes, my father says those steps have been done really badly and they need to be done again. <laughs> <laughs> Which was true. <laughs> That's true. They had been done badly and they did need to be done again. I love that. Just the revealing of the other, the adult truth that I love. Uh, We've got someone on the line. Hi, you're on Chipalaa. Hello. Um, I've got um, red hair and freckles and I was working as a teller a million years ago and this little kid um, got sat up on the counter. You know how mums do that with their little kids? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, they go, oh, the little kid goes, oh, mummy, that lady's got spots. Oh. oh, did you? Did she just? Yeah. Had she never seen a bloody freckle in her life? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, so I pushed her off the counter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, face. I, 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 I get a lot of. Um, are, are you a boy or a girl? Oh. You a boy or a girl? What do you say? I said, what um, do you think? Hello, hello, how you going? You're on Triple R. Yes, uh, just regarding um, things little kids have said. Yes, go ahead. Um, my brother was at the beach and his, uh, his um, niece, four-year-old niece, ran away from him and she, and she hid behind bushes. Uh, when, when, when he finally found her, she came out, he picked her up and said, you're going back home and your mother's going to be pleased. She said to him, unhand me, you fool. Unhand <laughs> <laughs> me, you fool. Oh, that's what? awesome. I love this child. <laughs> you fool. Oh, that is excellent. Thanks, mate. <laughs> See you later. Thank you. On hand for you, fool. I wonder where she learned that from. <laughs> what are they watching? You're listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from 3 Triple R. Tom brings his songs to Melbourne. The Songs of Tom. Zach's Ceremony is a new documentary. It's opening in cinemas across the country today. It's directed by Aaron Peterson and stars Alec Dumaji. We're very lucky to have them both in the studio with us. Welcome to Breakfasters, both of you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It's a great pleasure. Now, this is a project filmed over 10 years in the life of the Dumaji family. That's an incredible investment of time. What made you embark on such a huge project, Aaron? I think in the beginning we really didn't know how long it was going to go for. I think when we um, set out in uh, in 2009 to start filming, it was uh, we thought we'd have a couple of years um, of filming under the belt, um, follow Zach uh, all the way through to ceremony. But I think just with the progression of everything, it kept getting um, delayed for, for cultural purposes. And then mm. um, we realised that we had this film where you could uh, see a boy literally grow up on the screen. And so we just kept following it all the way through. And um, even once we got to ceremony in 2013, we felt... 
we just had to keep going. So I think by the end of it, it was 10 years. In was total. He, was I, he? I, I, I tricked Aaron into uh, coming on board because uh, he didn't know about a blackfella time. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and we got in with the blackfella time. So, I was going to yeah. say, was there ever a point that Zach said, I don't want to be involved in this? No, you know, everyone's asking that. And it's funny because at no point, and, and Zach from a young age was always the clown of our family. Yeah. And I always wanted to be in front of everyone and joking and telling stories. And so when there was a camera around, and even when I was, because I'm a radio, I, my background's in radio. Mm. I'd take him into the, do my radio shows and, and, and do my breakfast shows. And he'd be in there and he'd be like, Dad, can I jump on? <laughs> so he was always kind of wanting to be in the limelight. Um, so it was natural for him to jump in front of the camera. He didn't, didn't shy away from it at all. And Aaron, how did did you know the family before you started? How did you become involved in this? Uh, well, back in two thousand and nine, I met Alec working on another TV series together, and it was then that he was telling me the story about um, yeah, his yeah. plans to and, go and through. Because well, at that stage, we, yeah, I was running around going crazy trying to film this story that I well you know, the journey what we were doing. And I, rem- I remember um, someone came to me and said, "You should do a Blackfellow version of the Kardashians." <laughs> 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 it could be like a Doomagees. <laughs> um, and I actually, I actually think they've actually done one now with an Aboriginal family over in, in Western Australia. In Western Australia. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, and then when Aaron and I got together, we was doing those shows. I said, "Look, dude, I'm looking for a you know and a partner to come on board to do this." And you know, I was just lucky because I found someone that was, uh, I guess, open to what I was trying to do and and help you know raise the bar of where we were going and you know, basically turn the film into what it is today. For me, the most one of the most confronting parts of the film is the footage you have of the missionaries telling the young kids that their culture comes from the devil and that they need to um, renounce it if they want to be saved. How much damage do you think that experience did to the people of Dumaji? I mean, there's some extraordinary statistics in the film. I think you said 14 people committed suicide in the last. Yeah, how much, how significant was that sort of cultural damage? You know, there's been a lot of damage done due to the impact of missionaries. And you, it's funny, you're the first one that actually has, has asked the question about the impact of missionaries. And thank you for that, because it's a, it's, a, it's a controversial topic that we need to address and we need to speak about. Um, and we address it in the film because we need to show the symptoms, you know, I guess, where, where this, it stemmed from, where, where these issues have stemmed from. And a lot of it is because of disconnection from culture. Um, and part of that was, you know, back in the day when the missionaries came out, they came for a purpose to, you know, civilize us savages and, and teach us about uh, the way, the truth of, with what they've learned. But they, they forgot that and they didn't understand that we also had a belief system uh, that we were practicing for, you know, nigh on 60,000 years and, and that we needed to have that connection going because that was our belief system. Um, and it's that footage in that film has a story of its own as well. That came from a, a TV uh, sort of uh, uh, affairs show from back in the early 1980s called um, Nationwide, I think it was called, with Tricia Lake. And um, a, a, a guy called David Trigger, a professor, uh, you know, anthropology in universities, came and done a lot of work with my family back in the 70s around our land trust, the, the land claim we got through native title, uh, not native title, uh, land rights back in the 70s and 60s. Um, and and he is on that program. But it's funny because when we were looking for permission to use it, we walked into a room and another documentary called uh, Frackman, which was a part of our, our group at um, at Good Pitch, she was involved with that 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 Frackman oh, show. And we walked wow. in the room and, and it was this Trisha Lake. We're like, wow, we've been trying to find you to, to use this footage. <laughs> she said, no worries, you can have the footage. And that's where it came from. 
Um, but this, you know, the, the film, it's it's bigger than that one topic, mainly mm. because uh, all the all the other issues we try to address. But what we're trying to do is say, well, this is what's happened. This is the truth. Um, how do we move forward from here? How do we right the wrongs of the past? How do we address these injustices? And it's something that we have to walk together. That the path has to be done by both of us, by white and black Australians. It's not just a black fellow story. It's not just a white fellow story. It's an Australian story. It's our story. And the only way we're going to fix it and resolve it is by working together. I was actually struck in the second half of the film, the images that we see of um, Dumiji, of this, of, of this remote community, are actually really positive and they're really beautiful and as I was watching it I thought I never really see this on TV like when I see news reports it's always about Mm. kind of the bad stuff that's going on and I mean did you intend to do that? Yes. Yeah. Yes, because we were, we were sick of the ne- negative stereotypes about you know Aboriginal communities and Aboriginal people. It's, we had enough of that. Yeah. That, 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 that time's done. Yeah. You know, you've, you've had a go. Let, let us tell it from <laughs> our. Yeah, let's tell it from our perspective. We wanted to show the beauty that we as Aboriginal people see through our eyes about our community and our people and our culture and our existence, and we want you to come on and see that from our perspective, because if. We can get you to, I guess, come into our world and see why our community means a lot to us, why our country means a lot to us, why our culture means a lot to us. Then it'll be a great, you know, better understanding between our two different tribes so we can kind of, again, find some meaningful way forward. Um, and, you know, Aaron and I sat down and there were, there were scenes in the film. I said, look, we have to show the beauty of the country. The country has to be the other star in this film. Mm. And we have to show the beauty of the communities and why they're important. Because, you know, a couple of years back, uh, the federal and state governments was on this rampage to close down indigenous communities and saying that, you know, there, mm. there, there wasn't any need for them anymore and, you know, whatever you know, reasoning they have. But I, I did a talk at the Sydney Opera House at, at TEDx and, and, and I said at the TEDx talk, I said, I'm a perfect example why those communities are important because I'm a product of those communities. And the reason I've been able to do what I'm doing out here in the mainstream is because of my experiences and my lifestyle that I had in, in my Aboriginal community, around my people, around my elders and around those old stories that have been passed down. So, you know, this film hopefully explains that a little bit better because I know over the years it's been hard to articulate why um, our, our, our culture and our history and our communities are important. Um, and I always say to Aboriginal followers, you know, I say to them, I say, this film is everything you've ever wanted to say. We've, we've, we've captured it in, you know, in the best we can over 93 minutes and, um, and we've put it up there for everyone to see. Well, I was, kind of, I was going to say something about that too because it struck me that this film's sort of structured around Zach's challenge to come to terms with being an adult, but it also seems to me it's partly about your struggle to be a good father and your sometimes quite strained relationship with your son. But there's been a lot of talk about Indigenous fathers um, recently. I mean, raising teenage kids is always difficult for, for, for mm-hmm. everyone. Is it particularly hard when you're also trying to educate them about Indigenous culture as well? Well, you've got to remember Aboriginal people have to be uh, doubly better at everything yeah. um, in, in this world today to be considered an okay guy, mm. yeah? Um, so, you know, when it comes back to... Uh, I always... Uh, I remember when I got into radio, I said, I've got to be, uh, you know, a better radio announcer than, 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 than a white fellow because I need to show them that I'm worthy of being in that booth with them. So raising an Aboriginal kid, you have to teach them the best. Of, you, 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 they have to have knowledge of their, of their culture, their law, their ceremony and who they are, but then they have to learn how to read, write and, and, and try and exist in the new world. So it's a, it's, it's a, it's a really tough path to walk and it's one that um, I, I guess most Australians who, who aren't of Indigenous heritage or aren't of Aboriginal heritage don't have that, uh, I guess, expectation of them. 
and and this is a it's it's a it's a, it's a real thing for Aboriginal followers because we have to have to have that knowledge of both worlds and we have to be try to be successful in both of them um, and unfortunately uh, I think that's lost on, on, on mainstream when it comes to oh, you know, how come this follower isn't succeeding how come that follower isn't succeeding because we have to try and take on uh, not just your educational system but our own educational system as well mm. um, Aaron ceremonies are usually private and you know um, but you managed to obtain some footage for this documentary how did you go about that was that a complicated process of getting um, permission and access to film yeah I mean it was it was a fairly complicated process um for me being a white man walking into those communities or the, or the the homes of um of the local people and and even um the way alec uh introduced me to everybody to his people and community you know it was uh, it was challenging um i had to obviously earn the respect of of um, alec and zach but not only them the the extended family in the community because every the community up there is like a big family so um you know, there was a lot of discussion in the early stages when we first got up there with the cameras and um, started uh, going over the process and, and what we were going to be capturing and everything because we didn't want to give the impression that we were going to be taking anything away from that um, procedure or from the from the ceremony itself because it is so sacred. Um, we wanted to make sure that we caught it in the best possible way um, without overstepping the mark at any point. And on top of that, the, the, the film had to be told from an Aboriginal perspective. It had to be told from our people. We had to lead those stories. We had to lead those ceremonies. And, you know, um, this is the first documentary that's definitely done it to, to, to the ladder of what's right by our mob. And, and I'm very proud that Aaron was, you know, open enough to come along and just let, let, you know, let the, everything roll out and have it in front of him and be led by our elders and our law keepers. Um, because if we, if we hadn't done that, we would not gotten the, the i guess the permission and the respect to to capture what we have on film hmm. so who do you see this film as being for and what do you hope people get from watching it i i set out to make a, an international documentary film about the beauty um of my culture and my people and and and, and tell a story use the the uh, you know universal story of a father and son at the heart of it and tell the story to the eyes of a child that's what my intentions were um, and, and we aimed it at an international audience for a purpose because we want the world to, you know, uh, see what's happening in Australia and, and we want uh, Australia to champion this film and that's both white and black Australia. I'm talking about everybody uh, in this country. We want them to champion and go, yeah, we're proud of this film, we're proud of the stories in it and it's the truth and, and we need to uh, be mature enough as a nation to own up to it and speak about it and bring it out in the open. So... You know, I've always envisioned uh, making a, a full feature-length uh, documentary film to go out to the world, and and and, and I'm, I believe you know after the past twelve months showing it around at different big film festivals, it's done that, it's achieved that. Mm -hmm. So now what we need is for Australia to come out and champion <laughs> our in our backyard. Now we need you guys to get out there and and buy tickets and come and see the film and see what we're speaking about because um, you know we believe that if we can uh, I guess popularize Aboriginal culture and ind the Indigenous heritage in this country. It'll become uh, popular amongst uh, you know our, 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 our white brothers and sisters, so that we can, I guess, educate each other and have a better understanding. And I've got to ask this because um, the film ends with Zach, and it's all about him. How is he feeling at the end of this process, and how's he going now? He's exhausted. Is he? <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to get a teenager out of bed to come he and is. do a radio interview. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Look, he's uh, he's he's a very very um, uh, bright young fellow, and he's got the world at his feet at the moment. Uh, he just finished high school last year, so he's sort of uh, finding his feet and what he wants to do. He's like any other teenager, mm. you know. People after they see the film, um, <laughs> they expect Zach to give them the meaning to life. You know, <laughs> 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 they, they put, put him up and think he's Gandhi or the Dalai Lama <laughs> or something. I mean, no, we still butt heads, we still argue. He's still, you know, we're still father and son, but he's certainly. Um, you know, uh, I guess weighing up his options. He loves music. He wants to be in you know production. He always like to produce music. He'd, you know, uh, uh, he obviously probably uh, got an opportunity now if he wants to be an actor or go into film. That's up to him. You know, he's got a platform to do that. But you know, he's 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 not rushing in anything. He's just taking his time and and whatever he does next, you know, we'll certainly support him the best we can. Mm. Well, tell him to send a demo to Sarah. She'll play some of his music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about this earlier. I, 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 I said to you know the, the fellows that. Uh, uh, I'd love to k- meet Briggs and, and introduce him to Briggs or one of the indigenous hip hoppers or rappers around town. You know, I mean, there's a fair few of them, and see see what he can do because you never know. Mm. The film is Zach's Ceremony. It's opening in cinemas across the country today. We've been talking to director Aaron Peterson, the star Alec Dumaji. Thanks so much, for both of you. Thanks, Thank guys. you very much for having us. This has been a pododcast from Free Triple R, one hundred two point seven FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.